So I want to point you to BethelSumter.com. For those of you that like to take notes, feel free to take notes. But also, you're here just a second. There's a, there's a lot to this message, and so I've put all these sermon notes on the website. So just go to the news section right there at the top, transformation, all the notes that will be shown on the screen this morning will be on the website. All right? So this morning, I want to go through and I want to have a conversation about transformation. So really and truly, let me just kind of start with a disclaimer. This is a message that I have been wrestling with all week. It's going to be imperfect. I'm an imperfect person seeking after Christ, wanting to be used as a vessel of hope and encouragement. And so what you're about to hear, I've been wrestling with God, and even up until last night when I got ready to go to bed, I was like, Lord, why? Why, why this message? Like, what do, you, what do you have for us? Like, why am I sharing this today? And I just couldn't seem to get that peace. And then I woke up this morning, and I had, I had a little bit more peace of why we're here. And so I guess I want to start, and I want to say that earlier this year that the Lord just gave me this notion of transformation, not information. Transformation, not information. We don't need any more information. I mean, if we go to the mall, which not really much reason to go to the mall anymore, but if you happen to go to something small, as the military people call it, and you go there, there's a bookstore, and there's tons of books, and you go to the library, and there's tons of books and tons of volumes and tons of information, but listen, the thing that I'm here to tell you this morning is we don't need more information. We need the transforming power and presence of Almighty God in our lives and in this church. Amen? That's what we need. We need to live out what he's giving us. And so I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the New Testament, to the book of Romans. So turn past the uh, epistles and uh, Acts, and then you'll find Romans. So I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I think it's interesting this morning that God keeps placing me in these writings, the epistles and the other letters that the apostles have written, other penmen of of Word. He's putting me in these spots in this tension zone of basically in chapter 1 through 11 of Romans, Paul is teaching about doctrine. What did we do when we started this morning? That's how we started our service. We're starting about, we're laying the foundation of doctrinal truth. And so here in chapter 1 through 11 of Romans, we see Paul is, is laying that doctrinal truth. He's laying that theology out. And then in chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, which is where we're going to be at today, he begins to shift to that application. And can I just remind you this morning, that applying God's Word to our lives can be challenging. It can be challenging. It can be challenging as I preach and teach, God, what is the application that you want your people to get out of this? And so this morning, let's turn our attention to um, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 12, sorry, verse 1 and verse 2. Paul says it falls under the heading of a living sacrifice. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so I want to start this morning, I want to point out to you here in Romans chapter 
12, verse 1, that he, he says that you're to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In essence, this is an oxymoron. It's like, what are you talking about, Paul? Because the thing that we have to remember is in the Old Testament, you go back to Genesis, you go back to the Garden of Eden, and, 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 and Adam and Eve, they realize their nakedness, they realize their sinfulness, and God says, I'm going to make for you garments of skin. Now, we read that and we read over that, but here's what's beautiful, is that even in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve sinned, that something had to die in order to cover our sins. So all throughout the Old Testament, we see the sacrificial system of lambs and bulls being sacrificed, being killed to, for an atonement of our sins. And then in the New Testament, thank God we live on this side of Jesus, that Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, he comes and he takes away all those things, all those sacrifices, and he is the final and the perfect sacrifice. And when we look to him, that's how we're made whole. So he says a living sacrifice, but that's another message for another day. But look with me in verse 2. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. To be transformed, to be not conformed to this world, but transformed. Can, can I back up for a minute? I mentioned to you as we started, there's this tension this morning for me as I stand before you to preach and teach this passage. And, and this particular message that the Lord's given me, there's this tension. There's this, God, what are you doing? And, and why this? And why here? And I, I just don't understand, but I'm trying to be faithful. And, and there's this tension. Why? There's this tension of where we are and where we need to be. However, consuming more information isn't the key. The key is applying the truths that have already been revealed to us. We don't need more information. We need the transforming power and presence of Almighty God working in our lives. We need to be applying the truths that have been revealed to us. You'll hear more about that in just a minute. But listen, as we come to this verse this morning, this do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Listen, the world wants to conform us, but we must be transformed, Scripture says, by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The, word, the world is saying, stay within this box, which is really kind of oxymoron within itself because we live in this world where anything goes. Right, the, the, the church sign that I saw years ago that stuck with me, we're living in a day and time in which this is so very true, that sin that used to hide on back streets now struts down Main Street. Right, things that used to be done in the darkness are done out and open and in the light. And so the world is saying, look, we want you to stay within this box and you can only say and do these things that what? That we don't find offensive. We live in a culture that it's easily to be offended, amen? I mean, we live in a council culture. But I'm here to remind you this morning, this isn't even my notes, but I'm here to remind you this morning, as we live in this council culture that we see in the world today, I worship and serve a God, a God of redemption, a God of second chances, a God of people who have messed up even in the Word of God, as we talked about last week with David and Bathsheba and his affair with her, that he used David to do great and mighty things. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we seek, that he's still doing those things today. Amen? But the world is saying, we'll define truth and reality. How, how, how's that working out for us? But what does the Word of God say? We must be transformed by the Word and the Spirit of God. We must allow Him to change our hearts and our minds and live out the truths of God on a daily 
basis. So, you know, I got in trouble recently, and some guy told me, he said, you're not a preacher, you're a teacher. Well, I don't know, whatever. Maybe I'll just say I'm both, and that'll cover all my bases, amen? But one of the things I think about this morning, if we're going to talk about, if we're going to talk about this transformation in our lives, the thing that we have to remember, we have to simply just define what does transformation mean? Transformation is a thorough or dramatic change in the form or appearance. So you see, friends, when you've met Jesus and you walk with Jesus, you'll look different than you did before. That's why I struggle oftentimes with Christendom and and different churches because I'm like, you know, you say you love Jesus and you say you follow Jesus, but I don't see that in your words and your thoughts and your deeds. Not that I'm being judgmental. Scripture says we're to judge those within inside the church. But there's this transformation. And so I begin to think about what is something that we know about transformation? Well, I think about this beautiful butterfly that I happened to stumble upon one day, and I, and I got a nice photo of it, right? Or at least I think it's a nice photo. Y'all might think otherwise, but whatever. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I took it. I think it's pretty. So there you go. <clears throat> Listen, I thought about this butterfly, and I began to think about, so here's the beautiful thing. As we look in this passage of Scripture, and and the word Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. That Greek word there is where we get this little word called metamorphosis in the life of a butterfly. What is metamorphosis? Metamorphosis is the process of transformation from, listen, an immature form to an adult form in two or three distinct stages. Now, here's the thing I believe. I believe that studying the Word of God can be fascinating. There are hidden treasures in Scripture, amen? I mean, as you sit down and you take just this one topic, just this one word, transformed, God can take you over here, and, and I believe that God can use the dictionary. He can use His Spirit. He can use this other story that I'm going to share with you this morning. He can use these things to remind us of how good He is, how creative He is, and ultimately that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so I stumbled upon this little diagram because I got, it's like, you know, got to love a pastor with ADHD. And so it's like, oh, well, what do I know about metamorphosis? So I'm start studying about metamorphosis. And so here is a picture behind me of the four stages of a butterfly, that metamorphosis process. And here's the thing I want to share with you. I, I want to try to make, come alongside of this and make some correlations for our faith journey. But here's the thing I also know. I, I, I ain't got all this figured out. Okay, so you're, you're kind of hearing a jam session between me and God, amen? As I'm looking in His Word, as I'm wrestling with Him, like, God, what do you want to see? What do you want us to know? And so from left to right, top to bottom, we see the four stages in metamorphosis. There's the egg. Number two is the larva. Three is the pupa. And four is the adult, the adult butterfly. Now, here, really quickly, really quickly, I just want to kind of give you some gleanings as I was reading over this article about this process. First off, that um, the eggs are laid on the plants by the female adult butterfly, number one, and these plants will become food for hatching the caterpillars. Number two, we see what? That that's the larva stage, and that's the caterpillar. It's the feeding stage. Now, here's what I thought was, was beautiful. It's an active, immature form of an insect. That's what the caterpillar is. It's an active, immature... That's us! 
That's us as believers, that we should be active in reading God's Word and living it out. But we're, we're not perfected yet, amen? We're not to that final state of where we'll be. Not definitely this side of glory, that we should seek perfection, but we'll never find only Jesus is the perfect one. So listen, what's interesting about the larva stage is the job of the caterpillar is to eat and to eat and to eat. And as it sheds its skin, it grows about four or five times, and over time it can grow a hundred times their size during the stage. What, what started out there as an egg the size of a pinhead, it hatches into this tiny egg, it's much bigger, and it will grow to at least two inches within several weeks. But it's to grow and to grow and to grow, it's to consume, it's to eat. Number three, the pupa stage or the transition stage. When a caterpillar is fully grown and stops eating, it becomes a pupa. The pupa of butterflies is also called a chrysalis. Y'all, I didn't I failed physical science, so I don't know how I like found all this stuff fascinating. I guess things change when you're, you know, an adult, right? So I don't know. But yeah, so some of y'all could probably teach this better than I could. <clears throat> And so they're hidden, suspended under branches, hidden in leaves, buried underground. But listen, this is what I found fascinating. It may look like nothing is going on on the outside, but big changes are happening on the inside. See, sometimes as I preach and teach, I'm like, man, are they, are they connecting the dots? Is God's Spirit working? Like, am I, am I asking questions that they're not, am I answering questions they're not asking? But the thing I was reminded of this morning is sometimes in our lives as we look at other people, there might not be a whole lot going on in the outside, but underneath there are big changes happening on the inside, amen? I mean, I think about the verses of Scripture to where Jesus says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're pretty on the outside, but you're full of death and decay on the inside. You've washed the outside of the cup, but what about the inside? That inward transformation. Now listen, number four, the butterfly, which we know. This is what I found very fascinating about that. The adult stage is what most people think of when they think of butterflies. And this is the line that got me. The one thing they can't do is grow. Full transparency. As I minister to senior adults, sometimes I'm like, man, you know, they want to say, well, we've been there and done that. We're tired. We played our part. Like God's still got stuff for you to do. But he, here's the thing that I reminded the senior adults in the first service. Here's the thing I'm reminding the senior adults here today, the senior adults in your life. Here's what I think is beautiful. When the, when the adult caterpillar, when the adult butterfly gets to this stage, the adult's job is to mate and to lay eggs. Friends, as a senior adult, your job is to invest in those coming behind you. Those experiences, those things that have happened in your lives, you are to pour them back into the generation coming behind you. You know, one thing that I, I, that I despise is a lot of times you'll have people, they'll come to church and they'll say, oh, I love Jesus. I love his word. And, you know, oh, I, I, you know, they got their Bible with them and they look like a Christian. And, you know, then they go home and they throw their Bible down on their table and it's like they don't pick it up all week. And the thing I've struggled with, so this is a moment of struggle, of, of, of just frustration, is that as I've walked in my life and I would go to some senior adults and I would just be kind of trying to figure out life and navigate life and they would come alongside of me and they'd say, well, honey, you just need to be a little bit more patient. 
and you just need to pray a little harder. What? Okay, I, I agree that we need to be praying, but here's the thing I want to encourage you with this morning, senior saints especially, or all of us. Crispy, myself, Kendall, just like yesterday, as we went to that wedding, Kendall and I, praise the Lord, God willing, we'll hit 20 years of marriage in June 22nd of this year. And so what? Yesterday was day one for Joey and Megan. And so we're investing in those coming behind us. You don't have to be a senior saint to invest with someone. Invest your life into theirs. Also, don't take that information to the grave. Amen? What good is that going to do you? I think of my brother, uh, Dr. Um, Ron Taylor. He texts me every Sunday. He went to school. He got his doctorate. And what does he do? He shows up and he teaches for free to people coming behind him. He didn't get that knowledge. He didn't get that piece of paper and say, look at me. I'm Dr. Ron Taylor. No. He's like, man, here's my notes. I'm going to put some fill in the blanks. I'm going to give you the notebook. And I want you to take this to your ministry so that you can use it. That's what we're to be about. But back to my story about going to those people and, and struggling. Here's my challenge to you this morning. Take them to the Word of God. Take them to the verses or the verse that has brought you hope. Take them to 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord and seek His presence continually. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Right? Take them to those verses that you've found hope. So if you haven't found hope, maybe you need to find a life verse. You need to find that verse that's going to anchor you in this season. But you take them, you show them in the Word of God where it's at, and then you pray with them. Amen? That's what we're called to do. We're called to be vessels of hope. We're called to invest in those coming behind us. So listen, real quick as I tarry on that, that we're, to be to, we're not to be conformed to this world, but be to transform by the renewal of our mind. I'm thankful for the ladies' study. i am actually been running sound and AV for them, and that's been fun, but I've been picking up some nuggets of wisdom too. So listen to what they've been learning. So this is kind of like one thing they've hit on in their study that they're going through, that Jenny Allen in her book, Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Spiral of to- Toxic Thoughts. Listen to what she says. The greatest spiritual battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. What we believe and what we think about matters, and the enemy knows it. Listen, guys, I could go on to say this, that what consumes our minds controls our lives. Do you want to know what somebody values? Look at where they spend their time, their talent, and their treasures. Because Jesus says where your, heart, where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. So what do people around you, you, you don't have to ask them what they love. Just look at where they spend their money, look at where they spend their time, look at where they spend their efforts and their energy and their resources. Where are they spending that at? Jenny Allen went on to say this, he, he, talking about the enemy. Talking about the enemy, and we're to talk about the enemy. We have a real enemy, amen? It's not just some make-believe thing that we make up and we talk about because it's church world. No, we have a real enemy that comes to steal and to kill and destroy. The enemy, he is determined to get in your head and distract you from doing good and to sink you so deep that you feel helpless, you feel overwhelmed, you feel shut down, and incapable of rising to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So I want to ask you this morning a question that Jenny Allen asked the ladies as they go through their study. Where might you need to replace negative thoughts you are believing with the truth of God's Word? You know, maybe you need to write out a couple reoccurring negative thoughts that you have and that you need to come along and and you need to write out a promise from Scripture. 
And I want to encourage you, that's what Pastor Austin and myself, that's what Kristen and, and Samantha and Kendall and the other ladies in here, like other men in here, that you, you see them walking in faith. You're to go to them. Maybe you write that out and maybe you're struggling with something. Right, and you try to maybe you're struggling to find. Okay, this is what I'm thinking. Like, where, what, what's the truth that God has revealed? And here's the one of the things I want to tell you: Is it going to be messy? Sure. You're going to say, "Well, who can I trust?" Well, listen. In order to build trust, you have to extend trust. And so, when we get alone and as we wrestle with our sin, it's not easy to talk about those things. But Scripture says, "What that that prayers of the righteous availeth much." And so, as we pray for, we're called to confess our sins to one another and to pray for one another. And so, it would be my honor and my privilege and and any other saint in here go to him and say look here's what i'm thinking here's what i'm believing about myself now what does god say and you began to speak truth to the lies one such thing that i I think about is in romans chapter 8 just before where we are this morning talking about replacing those things in our lives listen to what paul says who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we will be killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered No, in all these things, listen, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am sure, listen, if you're struggling with your your self-worth and who you are in in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationship with Christ, and and you just need to get a picture of who God is, this morning I want to remind you of what Scripture reminds us here in verse 38 and 39. It says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're to look to Jesus, amen, and we can go boldly before the Father and to pray these things. As we think this morning, uh, Tom Eliff, you know, I love, I love social media. I hate social media, but I love social media too. I've made a career out of doing that since about 2008, 2009, helping people tell their stories, whether it was the item or the hospital or now Chick-fil-A. And so I enjoy telling stories. And one of the things that I see is, yes, can, the, can that social media be used by the enemy? Absolutely. But we need to speak truth into those channels. And so one of the things this week is I shared this nugget of wisdom on our Facebook page and interacted with you guys and, and kind of dripped some things in your content feed that were of Christ to make you think. And so listen to what we see that Tom Eliff, he's been in ministry for over four decades. He was a past president of the International Mission Board. For those of you who don't know what the IMB is, the IMB is the, is the board that through the cooperative program of Southern Baptists, we give collectively, and people go on the mission field to go to the uttermost parts of the world to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they are still changing lives. Amen. We must go, and we must tell the story. And so Tom Eloff says this. He said, God doesn't only want to work on our speech and our actions. He wants to change our thoughts in our attitude yesterday at the wedding, I thought it was beautiful. Listen, we, we, I spoke out of 1 Corinthians 13. Can I put a little asterisk right there? And let's take a little side note. We, you hear 1 Corinthians. It's a, it's a love chapter. You hear that typically at weddings. But what we forget is its place in Scripture. And it's really written to the church. And if you look at where it's at in church and what Paul is saying, it's there to bridge the gap of how we're to love each other in community. So we use it at a wedding, but it was written, written first in 
foremost to people like us who are gathering in community as fellow believers how we're to love one another. We can apply that to our marriages, but it was written first to the church. That being said, as we talked about yesterday, and we shared this with them, I share it with you. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Listen, there are some of you in here this morning that need to man up. There are some of you in here this morning that need to woman up. Right? Like you're, you're relying on childish ways and old ways, but when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus and, and we repent of our sins and ask for forgiveness, He's faithful and just to forgive us. And so we're a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come, and we're to follow Him. And so that means we've got to change our way of thinking. We've got to be renewed through Scripture. We've got to be the renewing of our mind. Warren Wiersbe he was a pastor, Bible teacher, an author, radio guy. Uh, listen to what he said. He said this. He says that God transforms our minds and makes us spiritually minded by using his word. As you spend time meditating on God's word, memorizing it, and making it a part of your inner man, God will gradually make your mind more spiritual. Here's the thing. When was the last time that you memorized a verse of Scripture? Psalm 119 says what? That we're to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. That needs to be hidden in our hearts and our minds. And we need to be memorizing those verses. I don't know what your goal needs to be. Maybe you need to say, okay, I've never really memorized any scripture. I'm going to take this one verse and I'm going to work on it for the next month. And I'm going to see if I can't memorize it. And when you memorize that one, move on to something else. You've got to set a goal. I'm not asking you to memorize a new verse every week. But you set a goal that you feel like that you can start off with. Listen, as we think, too, about what the Lord's done, we're to know the God of your Father, and we're to serve Him with our whole heart and with our willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. I think we're, I'd be remiss if I preached a message like this and I didn't share this with you as well. I think one of the things that we need to remember is that Paul said, as he was talking to the church at Corinth, he said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. I mean, here's the thing, guys, as I preach and teach, I've got to set the bar. I've got to set the bar, open the Word of God, and set the bar kind of low so some people can take that next step into their journey with faith, into faith with the Lord and, and who He wants them to be, right? We've got to set the bar low, and then we also got to, like, set the bar here. But, you know, ultimately, we, the bar is set way up here. We're never going to obtain that. And so as I preach and teach, not only do I preach and teach to people who are young children up until, you know, 90-plus years old, but that's a large gamut. And so you might say, I'm not tracking with him. Well, maybe you weren't supposed to track with this message. Keep coming back, and maybe the Lord will use one message or use some song that's sung to encourage you to quicken your spirit. Here's the thing I want to remind you of something I read this week. I know this is a lot. And like I said, this is, it's, it's not information, it's transformation. But the reason I share all of this is because this is, I'm in this tension. I'm in this place between, okay, I want you to see and to hear what I'm reading, but also, like, you've got to see it because you've got to realize that you're called to something more. You're called to be who Christ has called you to be. You're called to, to trust and follow Him. You're, you're called to, to take an unknown future and, and trust an all-knowing God. So that's the tension this morning. But in Walk Through the Word, 
that I'm walking through reading. Listen, the Bible is a spiritual book. And, through, and, and Jesus taught that if we really want to understand more, we have to listen and obey what we understand. And then more understanding will be given. Here's the reason I shared this slide. We shouldn't expect God to give us new marching orders until we obey in the areas He's given us understanding. Trust and obey. For there's no other way, right? We're to trust and and obey. He, he's not going to give us new marching orders. He's not going to show us new things until we obey what He's shown us. I think this was fascinating. Here's something I read. 1858. Guy, he was a Scottish theologian. Let men, let not men be so far the dupes of self-deception as to reckon themselves Christians while they are unchanged in heart and life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Now here's where we get nitty gritty. Here's where the rubber meets the road. My disciples study Bible. Listen to what it said. The key to living a transformed life is cultivating a renewed mind. The Christian who is lazy mentally to drink deeply from God's revealed word or to think courageously about the meaning of a personal faith will tend to be shaped by institutional values and socially acceptable modes of thought. Heaven and hell stand in the balance of what we do every Sunday. We come to make much of Jesus. We come to teach you that theology. We come to hopefully teach and instill you that, that, that you'll do like Matthew six thirty three says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that you'll seek him, that it be a personal faith. Because what? That Bible went on to say this. It says the teacher... The preacher may become the lazy person's God. Hello, I could tell you, I could take you to a church in our community right now where they're following a man and not Jesus. You might know one yourself. Listen, the teacher must remain. See, this is what I love. It gives me freedom. The teacher must remain an instrument through whom God can work to challenge learners to think and to question, and to change. Friends, I can't change anybody in here. I can't make you have a relationship with Jesus. But you know one thing I learned when I was in student ministry? Here's what I learned. I can't make you love Jesus, but I can set up dates or appointments to introduce you to him. Sunday morning at 11 o'clock in this Family Life Center is an opportunity, is an appointment for you to meet Jesus. Are we praying that people might meet Jesus when they come to this service? Not that they would just be filled with more information, but they might meet the living God who is ready to change their hearts and lives, that he wants to, be, uh, he wants to have a relationship with them if they would just turn and repent of their ways and turn to him and seek him. Are we praying that heaven, that, the, that God's will here at Bethel and on earth might be done as it is in heaven? Are we praying that? Are we praying, expecting? I am, praise God. I, I met a new couple this morning and I told them, I said, look, when I came here back in March, and this is all the glory goes to God for this because it's been amazing what Austin and I have seen. Amen? It has been amazing. But I told them half these people in this room weren't even here. Praise the Lord. God's doing something. I'm thankful to be a part of it. Amen? I'm tired of being full of dead churches with dead people that don't want to do nothing. I've been there and done that, and I can tell you, I don't want to be there. 
I've been a part of a church that had a beautiful nursery, had a beautiful Sunday school building, and they were just, the one day they went up there, they had a wanna, they turned the lights off, they went downstairs, and they ain't been back. And it's set up beautifully, ready for kids, but there ain't no kids. Why? Because they won't get out of their own way to do what Jesus wants done. And that is the honest-to-God truth. Because they're too focused on religion and not a relationship. Listen, the Christian must find God's will personally and individually. No teacher can figure out God's will for you. Spiritual transformation through learning is a continuing process, and it's not a once-and-for-all accomplishment. This morning, the table's been prepared for you. This table has been prepared for you. I thought about, too, that if, if you're new here, you're visiting here, you've been in other churches, been in other churches in your life, we believe in open communion. You don't have to be a believer of Bethel Baptist Church to partake in communion with us, but you do need to be a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know that you're saved this morning, if you never had that relationship established, you've never turned from your ways and turned to Him, let's have a conversation. I want My goal is, and most every Sunday, I want to be the last person that leaves. I want to be the last person that leaves. Because I want you to know what you believe. I want to be able to pray with you. I want to be able to point you to the Lord, not just repeat after me, but just like that slide said, so that you would know that you know and that you would have that personal relationship. Listen, as we think this morning, as this table has been prepared, God designed communion to be an intimate act of remembering His flesh and blood more than just an exercise of the mind. He wanted us to actually eat the bread and drink the cup. Listen, friends, not only that, but communion is about intimacy with Jesus and it's about intimacy with one another. I want to invite you now, as the table's prepared, before we take communion in 1 Corinthians where we see the Last Supper, there's something i got to share with you because that's my job. Not only is it my job, but as a believer, I want, what, is the word, what does the Lord say? says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28, let the person examine himself then, then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. So I want to invite you now, just spend just a few moments to allow the Lord to search your heart and mind. And maybe you need to pray like David. Maybe you just need to pray, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Lord, will you will you reveal that sin in my life that that I have I've I've tried to keep you out of? Because I like that. It's good. Lord, I don't want you to touch you can have this, but you can't have that. Lord, will you convict me of my sin? I ask you now, if you just every head bowed, every eye closed, just spend a few moments in prayer, preparing your heart and mind as we prepare to take communion.